Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Happy New Year and welcome to episode 138 of Spark of Rebellion. The first episode of this brand new year 2022 is upon us. Now, I hope you had a wonderful holiday season. Hope you relaxed, hope you stayed safe and hope you got everything you needed from the man with the old big sack. Speaking of which, I'm going to bring on my fantastic co-host in just one second. But before I do that... I'm going to welcome you to Spark of Rebellion like I always do, which is to say, give us some money. Arr, give us some money. That's right. Head over to patreon.com and you can support the show from as little as one book per month. Now, why would you want to do that? We'll send you some stickers, some Spark of Rebellion stickers for your laptop or your child's forehead. Whatever you want to do with them, do whatever you want. You'll get some of that, but you'll also get the warm feeling of supporting your favorite podcast. So you can do that at sparkofrebellion.com slash Patreon. And today, we're going to discuss the Book of Boba Fett. So if you want to get involved in the discussion, if you want to give us your opinion on the man himself, then you can do that over on Twitter at sparkofrebellion.com slash Twitter. So without further ado, before we get to the content, I'm going to bring on the man who has been coming down chimneys and delivering the goods of his sack... For years, it is, of course, the bearded wonder, the jumper-wearing, lightsaber-wielding, phantom-powered menace, Gary Ehrlich. All right, dude? This all sounds very wrong. Well. Sounds very, yeah. I liked phantom-powered menace, if I'm honest with you. I like that bit. I'm all over that bit. Mm. It's the going down chimneys. Sounds a bit stalkerish. Well, there's a reason they had to move towns, mate. That's true. Yep, secrets out. Contact you got Rumbled as the Jawa from that other town. They're like, here he is. He's the Jawa. Look at the size of him. <laughs> and then 10 years later, got to move again. Gaz has been going down chimneys once more. It's always money as well. Money, money, money. Having to move. Money, money, new money. New identities. The whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always I'm very the well, bunch. though. <laughs> yeah. I'm very well, though, dude. Happy New Year. 2020 new year and all that did you have a good christmas then i did have a good christmas thank you yes yeah, yeah. i was uh kicked the trend for another year and went away no christmas dinner at home for me no nope. oh yeah i always want to do that you know but i don't think i got the balls you were in new york for it though weren't you like what do you do on christmas day then when you're away have burgers and fries mm. what's your burger choice where do you go uh, Where's at the counter place? near times square mm. so yeah vegan burger not for me. Proper one, please. Not for me. Half pounder. <laughs> onions. Cheese. Yes. Barbecue sauce. Some onion rings in there. I was stuffed afterwards. I felt like Jabber after that. Yes. Yeah. Bloody love it. Yeah. Did you build any Lego at home? I saw you got some Lego for Crimbo. You started it, yep. Well, I did. Um, 
I didn't start it, but I did get some. Sam treated me to the Moss Eisley Cantina because it was going, it's going off sale. It was like, in fact, to be fair to her, <clears throat> she really looked after me this year because there were two big set, uh, sets that I wanted that were being retired on 31st December, the A-Wing on the Moss Eisley. And uh, it's my big 4-0 next year. So she got me the Moss Eisley for my 4-0, but then gave it me early because I was like, right, I'm going to bite between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> and she was like, dick. Because <laughs> I didn't know I had it, so she had to give it me blessing. Because I would have oh. bought it. Do you know what I mean? Because it was going off and it was on sale. And then I got the A-Wing as well. So I was I was very lucky, dude. But I'm st- <laughs> I've actually still not finished the R2-D2 that I got last year. So I'm just plowing through that, man. It's not a bad position to be in, though. Oh, God, I've got so much Lego to build. What a shame. I know, I know, I know. I need to hold back on it though because I've got like the display cabinets and stuff behind me, but I'm uh, like, they're just getting a bit full. But that's why you've got them. You know, it's always been a bit of an ambition to have some decent Lego and stuff. So yeah, but I think, I think this is it after these. I think that's it, man. I'm done for a while. Uh, Maybe. Nope. Shaking your head, but. Nope. And I can see you swapping out those, those cabinets and shelves behind you at some point as well. They won't last. Yeah. They won't last. Well, I'm going to move some of that stuff. I know you can't see this, oh, beautiful listener, but I'm going to move some of this stuff around. Um, just move some of this and make room for them. So she also got me um, <clears throat> two wicked brick cabinet things. You know, those sort of 30 quidders that make your Lego look better if you're displaying them. She got me the Yoda and the, the Grogu ones. Um, Sweet. Which is, yeah. Yeah, n- nice little addition, dude. Um, what about you? What did Santa bring you? Because you're in New York. Like, do you do gifts if you're in New York? Like, surely New York is the gift. I mean, that's a, you don't get much better than that. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. New York is the gift. But then what we decide is when we're there, because we do a bit of shopping, we're not too crazy, but do a bit of shopping because you can't really bring it back if we bring too much back mm. the old, the old luggage allowance and all that. But what we say to each other is like, if you see something cool while we're there, I'll get that for you. Blah, blah, blah. Vice versa. Mm. So um, I didn't get any Star Wars stuff because I went off. I went off merch shopping on my own one day. Went off. I think the the, the day but we were coming home, uh, I just jumped on the subway and went over to. There's a Forbidden Planet there, and there's mm. Midtown Comics and all that. So I did all that by myself. I didn't. She didn't buy me any Star Wars merchy stuff, but yeah, a bit boring for a Star Wars podcast. You know, she bought me a couple of hoodies. So, well, that's good though. What did you get yeah. from Midtown Comics? Did you get anything? I love that place. Uh, I did, but I have to say, dude, that the uh, the the amount of stuff on the shelves in most of the places I went to is really trimmed down this year. I don't know if it's mm. uh, like a global stock issue thing that we're going through at the moment, or if the place had just been ransacked for pre shoppers you know, uh, for shoppers pre Christmas. I'm not sure, but I just couldn't find anything, mate. There was there was plenty of books that I wanted to pick up, a couple of omnibuses and some graphic novels, but too uh, too heavy to bring home. And that's sort and, of a uh, what's the point, in it? Because you just you can get home, you can get them. You sort of, if you're anything like me, course. you want to get something from Midtown that you like, I got that from Midtown. Yeah, well, I've got some, yeah, I did get a couple of single issues and I got a couple of um, uh, small graphic novels. I was, I was figure hunting, to be honest with you, mate. I was after some Black Series mm-hmm. figures. I was also after a, f- a few other bits, but yeah, I couldn't find anything at all. It was, uh, yeah, disappointing in terms of stock. And I went in both yeah. branches of Midtown as well. There's one at, uh, there's one on Lexington as well as the Times Square one. Exactly mm. the same. Nothing. Yeah, that's frustrating. That mm. is frustrating. Well, you know, at least you had a mosey on round yourself. I, I, I love that. That, that's like the best part of New York for me is when you've got a bit of time to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you get stuck there, and uh, 
you like uh, we'll we'll get to this we work in the future like there'll be times when there's just a couple of days where we've got nothing to do and it's just like we happen to be in there and they're like the best times because you just you know you happen on something random or you you know you'll you'll, you'll like you say you'll find yourself for an afternoon in midtown comics order so i'm glad you enjoyed it dude it's uh it's a badass place and did you do you bump into any celebrities there milligan cleese everett ian botham yeah sessions <laughs> i did not no too busy right you have to remember yes, that the uh, the whole the whole place was locked down pretty heavily as well. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, what was the deal with it? Yeah, so New York seemed to be the epicenter of COVID mm. within the US at that point, as it normally is the last couple of years. So, I will say that although it was a bit of a pain in the ass at times, it wasn't really that bad. It didn't really feel it didn't really feel too different than when we were there. You know, the previous times, mm. it was just you know like it is here. Oh, you going into a shop? Pop your mask on. Yeah. This area looks a bit busy. Pop your mask on. Other than that, it was all right, man. So I think because of that, there just wasn't as many people as there normally is. It was still busy, but it felt about 80%. So I imagine the celebs also stayed away for that reason. I think uh, Hugh Jackman didn't because he's doing a show on Broadway and he got COVID while we were there. So sucks to be Hugh. Hugh Jackman. Hey, Hugh Jackman here. You're looking to this preview of X-Men. Don't know where he's from. But speaking of people with uh, Southern Hemisphere accents and popping a mask on, we're here to talk about Boba Fett. My name is Boba Fett. <laughs> That's better. That's a good one. Is, are you is trying, what are you Boba trying Fett? to do there? What are you going for there? Are you going for Kiwi? It's, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, like a... Uh, South African. Um, I can't tell there. Well, where, where is he? I, th- I feel like he's South... He's, uh, is he, you know, he's New Zealand, isn't he? I think he's a Kiwi, right? We're probably massively insulting the place that he's actually from. Yeah. But, um, I'm, <coughs> I'm sure he's a Kiwi. <laughs> I'm sure he is. But either way... <laughs> New Zealand, he is a e- New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, I took over from Bib Fortuna. No. Where's your tribute? No. No, I didn't. He killed he's Bib not, Fortuna. Dude. That's what he said. He's not from South Africa. He's Kiwi. No, that's what he talks like. My name is Boba Fit, and I'm here to. <laughs> He's not that. What's that? <laughs> well, that's my my South African. That's my District Nine impression. <laughs> yeah, that was quite. Do good, you want actually. some potato chips to go with your blue milk? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a bounty hunter. I can't. I can't even do a kiwi. Uh, hi, my name's Peter Jackson, and I directed The Hobbit. <laughs> exactly the same let's just crack on shall we <laughs> it is, that was exactly the same I love that I love that because they're so close it's hard to do um, alright look Book of Boba Fett man it came out on the 29th were you back then had you got back when did you fly back 27th uh, I flew back in on the 30th so I watched it when I got him oh okay I yep. thought it was earlier than that. oh, that's wicked dude you had like two months there um, <laughs> that's wicked um, so okay you, you caught it the day after I, I also caught it the day after I caught it on the 30th um We've now we've got two episodes in now. Now I know normally we'll do a weekly sort of rundown of these, and I'm sure we will do as time progresses. So we're going to get to 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 Boba Fett, and we're going to talk about that um, because there's you know I know you and I share similar thoughts on certain things. It's sort of splitting the audience a little bit, and there are a couple of sto- couple of stories that came out certainly based on episode two um, that we want to chat about in a second as well. But we're going to do you know reviews and sort of thoughts so far. In just a sec. But there is a little bit of news, which is a little bit last minute, dude, which uh, I know you added to the Trello board, which is everyone's favourite Bob, 
That's right, not Chapek. It's Iger, everyone's favourite Bob. After 47 and a half years working for ABC and then Disney, he's getting off the merry-go-round. He's <laughs> off. He's finished. Bob Iger is no more when it comes to Disney. He's basically all it is. He's calling it a day. All right. He's he's out, and it's not a surprise. I mean, Bob Chappell took over what a couple of years ago now, dude. Twenty nineteen, mm. I think, towards December. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was like almost to the day. So it shows that he probably had a bit of a two year transition period to let uh, Chappell do his job. But uh, not too much to say on this one, other than you know, there's been some hits, there's been some misses under Bob Iger. But you know, personally, I th- I, I I don't know the guy, but everything that I've seen, everything that I've read, um. It seems like he steered the ship pretty well. Seems like a very talented, very good, very conscientious guy. So, yeah, just thanks, Bob. Enjoy yourself, whatever you're going to do next. Um, and just cheers for what you've done, you know? Yeah, I like that as well. Everyone's favourite Bob. So I bet they that's how they refer to him, at Disney. Probably. Is Bob coming down? Which one? Your favourite? Oh, brilliant. And Chappie's like, <laughs> I'm stood here. <laughs> yeah, I'm right here, by the way. Yeah, but you don't bring coffee. So, out of, yeah, yeah, it's a sad day, dude. He's a cool guy because uh, he spearheaded some big changes at Disney. They were like mm. close to, it's just a bit dramatic to say this, they were close to not going under, but they were in some, some serious, some serious mm. trouble in certain, certain parts of the company. He sort of sorted it all out. One of the best things that he did, in my opinion, was the whole Pixar thing. <coughs> oh, 100%. So that, yeah, so working with Steve Jobs and basically saying, look, we've got this talented bunch of dudes here. It would be better if we joined forces instead of competing. And uh, and uh, Steve Jobs, and who's the other guy there? I read his book recently. What's his name? Uh, Bob. Yeah, He's another Bob, yeah, I think. Ed, Ed, Ed Catmull. Uh, yeah. Ed Catmull, that's it. Ed Catmull. And uh, the guy that started feeling women up a little while ago. can't remember his name. And uh, they were basically like, look, we're happy to join Disney, but we want to do our own thing. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I kind of experienced that a little bit recently. So, yeah, so just like, have autonomy to crack on and do what you do best. And Bob was like, no problem, let's do it. And then it turned out to be one of the best partnerships for, like, media and film and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of respect for old Bob. And uh, it'd be remiss to, to not talk about the Star Wars deal because that was a big shock. That was a biggie because there's one thing just acquiring smaller companies that will aid to your portfolio of, like, animated films and and other films mm. and whatnot, but to buy an entire juggernaut like Lucasfilm, that was a big old, big old risk, that one. So, yeah, he's got a set of balls, old Bob. Yeah, respect. He has. Yeah. He really has. And it's, um, I think it was even very recently, 25 years almost to the day that Marvel was, you know, on, on the brink of bankruptcy as well. And you look at that deal and the way that, you know, that that's worked. And then, you know, following the Fox deals and and. I am almost sure there'll be a Sony deal in the future for some of their IP. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Iger's been behind that as well. That's just speculation, but, you know, it feels legit. It feels obvious um, mm. at this point. But, yeah, just just it, 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 it's certainly un, under the watchful eye of, of Bob, but also some of those team members like the, you know, the, as much as we don't like to say, you know, certain parts of the fandom don't like to say it, the Kathleen Kennedys of the world, the Kevin Feige's of the world. Um it's it's really shaped the last twenty years of pop culture, you know, coming up to twenty years um, of what's been going on, and I think it's it's, it's bizarre because it's sort of ushered in this new era of, of of streaming budgets and 
you know, and obviously Netflix had a big part of that, but I don't think anything before Disney Plus took an IP and put movie level budgets into them and then had the balls to keep doing it until it was, you know, before it was proven, you know, because they they put a slate of stuff out this year that before Disney Plus was really proven, you know, so it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta look at when that probably started all those years ago and, and gotta think that Bob probably had a, a, a huge part in that. So yeah, great points, dude. Um, like you say, regarding the Lucasfilm deal, but Bob, enjoy your golf, old son. <laughs> I bet that's what he's doing right now. He will be, won't he? What is it, about 10 a.m. in the US at the minute? 11, 10, 11 yeah. o'clock? He's on the golf course, isn't he? Yeah. Of course he's having a bloody swing. Anyway, let's move on from Bob Iger swinging his golf clubs to Boba Fett swinging his gaffy stick, or as I call it, the teapot on a rod. Um, <laughs> where, where are you at with this, dude? So like I said, we're two episodes in. Why, let, let's get first reactions, all right? Your first reactions as you feel right now, you know, one or two lines on just how you're feeling about the book of Boba Fett as we are two episodes in. Started off quite slow, but not terrible. <clears throat> Moved on to be a very good second episode. Hope that trend continues. The end. Nice. Similar, but with the maybe sort of less reverence for the second episode. Um, oh, really? But with a caveat. Mm. Less reverence for the second episode as it stands on its own. However, I feel we may look back on this second episode when we get to the end of the season and be like, right, okay, that actually was a good chapter in this book of Boba Fett because it, it right. sets up and it leads through. Um, so let, let's unpack a little bit of that because it, it did start really slow. Um, you know, the first episode saw a couple of bits of establishing narrative. So the fact that we've got this flashbacks set up, you know, we saw that a little bit with the Mandalorian where he was flashing back to what appeared to be the Clone Wars um, and the droids, you know, attacking his home world, which wasn't Mandalore from what I can tell. Uh, it was the Mandalorians that saved him and took him to Mandalore, well, you know, hence his being adopted as a Mandalorian and, and being part of the same sort of style clan as Boba Fett, hence, you know, the, you know their their sort of kinship. Um, <clears throat> so it, 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 it started off to, it, and it gave us this narrative that we, we're going to experience things through flashbacks. But it also gave us this story up front, you know, that, that picked up from the back end of the Mandalorian where we see him in Jabba's palace, you know, it establishes that he, he popped off Bob Bib Fortuna. Um, we don't see that on camera. Maybe we will in a flashback. Who knows? And there were two, the sort of two sides of that for me, dude. And I think this for me sort of carried through to the second episode as well, which I know we can talk about in a bit more depth, but outside of Easter eggs, outside of the cinematography, outside of the score, which we'll talk about later as well. It sort of felt a little bit unbalanced. Like, the flashbacks were good because we're like, oh, look, he's got out the Sarlacc pit. We get that. That's okay. You know, regardless whether you like or dislike that whole thing, that was handled. And, you know, he's in, lives in the back to tanks now. And he's, he's, you know, we see him in the present day living in the back to tanks to keep regenerating, hence the scars are disappearing. So we, 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 we had a lot of that stuff that was all right. But then it felt really unbalanced because the stuff that was quote unquote present day, it was just like, yeah, I'm the boss now. Almost mm. no challenge to it. Like, he wasn't a badass. He was a bit naive. He was like, 
uh, okay, you've not bought me a tribute. Yeah, let's not let's not kill you. That's cool. You just you carry on. That's all good. Like he didn't feel like Boba Fett, but he did in the in the flashbacks to me. And I think that for me was was the like the overriding challenge with the first episode. It felt really really unbalanced. It didn't feel like this, you know, forty something year seasoned badass bounty hunter that takes what he wants by you know hook or by crook. It just didn't feel like that. So yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? The balance of it, the kind of tone of it, the the characterization. Hmm. Yeah, you make a very good point with that. In that, the flashback stuff was very, very uh, what you would expect to see. If um, if this wasn't a thing, and what I mean by that is, if your mind's eye was just creating the story of Boba Fett that you came up with based on everything that you'd seen in the films or you've read whatever, that's probably the sort of badassery that you would come up with in your own head. Like the, um, you know, the stuff in the flashbacks. And then, yeah, when you fast forward and it's the present day stuff, it almost feels like he wears a pair of slippers when he's not outside of the palace. You know, he's just sort of mel- mulling around. They don't keep a rancor anymore. It's place is pretty empty. He's pretty mellowed. And like you said, this dude comes in, he's like, you know, all fancy and stuff. The mayor's whatever doesn't even, the mayor doesn't even come to pay his own tribute and stuff like that. So yeah. And like you said, he just gets away with it. And uh, you can see that, um, uh, uh, Fennec Shand is, she's like, dude, you can just let him, what's going on? Like she, mm. I think she wants him to be more badass than what he actually is. He seems to have been, and maybe that's going to be revealed as the story goes on, dude. Maybe it's a case of, uh, he absolutely was this badass character, but, his mind's been opened up a little bit more by spending time with the sand people and earning the respect of fellow people and, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but it was a bit of an imbalance there because I think that contributed to the slowness of the episode because those, um, all the scenes in the palace and stuff where it's not a flashback, everything, um, it might be the direction, but everything was very slow, even when yeah. they're walking places, even like in episode two, when they're walking through Mos Esper and, things like that. I mean, it took about six, seven minutes for the twins to, to come around the corner. I know they're heavy, but, but even just Boba Fett and, you know, those dudes walking around and how the camera pans and how it's edited, it does feel very like, come on, mm. like, let's go. Come on, let's go. So it was a bit like, yeah. So I felt very much like that, especially in episode one. Episode one was really almost cripping. Like, have I got time to pause this and make a cup of tea? Yeah. Do I need to pause this to make a cup of tea? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Actually, I'm good. I don't need to. Just put the kettle on. By the time I get back, yeah. they'll have got from A to B and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was a bit of imbalance, dude. And um, maybe that will go against it when we see the whole thing together, the whole book thing. But you would have thought that with a character like Boba Fett, it would have been an explosive start. But it seems like they've gone down the slow burn route, very similar to The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of like a um, maybe a call back to that whole "I'll rule through respect, not fear" scenario. I like the angle that you make there around. You know, he's, he's learning from the Tuscans, and we'll get to episode two, and we saw that in episode two where he sort of earned that respect. He was a prisoner to start with, then he earned the respect, and that episode two was that real catalyst episode where he, he, he even though he was a reluctant prisoner to start with at the beginning of that episode, he worked his way up to being sort of a peer, and then what you assume with the reveal at the end, you know, where, where, where he's got this 
what appears to be the garb that we then see him in in the Mandalorian season two or season three, whatever it was, season two. Um, it's almost like he's sort of risen up the hierarchy a little bit. Like he's, he's on the board, you know what I mean? He's on the committee a little bit. Um, and he's got his own gaffy stick that he's, 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 he's sculpted as a bit of a, um, a trial by fire after he took that train down. So it's, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right, man. Maybe that's where they're going with this, this whole, you know, he's learnt the respect and it, you know, the fighting didn't work for his dad because he seems to be affected when he's in the back to tank. And this, we see this throughout episode one and two, um, we see the back to tank um, sort of regenerating him. And in the flashbacks, his body is burnt a lot more. Or it's, you know, it's acid burn from what we can tell. And when he's, when he comes out the back to tank in present day, he's not, he's just got that, you know, that beautiful Tamira Morrison shine. Like, you know what I mean? He's a good looking guy. Do you know what I mean? South Which, Africans generally are. On a side note, imagine a galaxy full of clones that look like Tamira Morrison. As a normal guy, you'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> how am I going to ever get, I can't meet someone when they all look like him. <laughs> yep. Do you know what Challenge. I mean? Yep. Unless you know, they're on a date. What's your name? Fives. Oh, well, that's a weird name. What do you do? I'm a clone. What's your biggest trait? Individuality. Is it? Is it? <laughs> is it? Because I match with one of you guys on Tinder. So <laughs> I'm yeah. out. Yeah. He said the same thing, which is weird. He's so did the other 12. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's, it's um, maybe it's like you said, it's a respect thing and he's not the Boba that we've seen. And there was some interesting characterizations in Mando as well, where he, he was a little bit more merciful towards Mando because, you know, we thought it would take him down and, you know, he started off a bit badass. He's like, I'll take the armor, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, he was going to fight for it, but actually they became buddies and worked through it. So it was, yeah, you make a good point about I, that. Yeah, I think what, um, just a, a bit more on that, I think because he's so used to being so badass and he's been brought up in conflict and everything, and he's seen seen his old pops, you know, be decapitated and stuff like that, and he's grown up to just have this, to have his uh, his walls up, so to speak, with everything, and he's been, he's, I think he's just been used to um, just kicking ass his whole life and having to do that. So I think if he hadn't have been captured by the, the Tuscan Raiders and he was just that same Boba Fett that escaped the Sarlacc pit and then went straight into this, he probably would be more. Well, I'm guessing he, yeah, they would have wrote him to be, written him, written him to be a bit more, you know, just shoot someone. You got any tribute? No, layers. Mm. But I think, um, yeah, this whole thing with earning respect to the Tuscan Raiders and stuff. It's, <clears throat> I imagine we'll see more flashbacks where he does this, you know, a bit more as well, <clears throat> where he say, he feels like a sense of commu- well, community, belonging, a bit of a place somewhere, because he's been alone his whole life. You know, he's been a, a lone bounty hunter for his entire life. So now he feels a bit more, a bit more of a purpose or a place. Yeah, there's an adjective there somewhere. But um, yeah, so now that he's like the top crime lord, he's probably using that stuff to try and, yeah, I think it all anchors on what you said, you know, wants to rule with respect instead of fear. He wants to, to use the learnings and stuff that he's, that he's, uh, that he's picked up with the, with the Raiders. Cause they're not all bad. They're not all bad. No. And that's, that's the, the interesting point that came up, you know, if we move on to, to episode two, because I think 
you've got this sort of, you know, he's a crime lord. You know, let's be straight. He's not a, you know, he's not he's not just a farmer. He doesn't own a farm. He's a bleeding crime lord. You know, and his <laughs> palace is, is, is crime palace, you know? <clears throat> and I think when you, when you look at how he came into power, he basically just walked in, assumed we put, he popped Bib Fortuna off, uh, but he's not done anything to establish his presence as the crime. Like Jabber, like you said, he was he was chucking in, you know, rancor pits. He was throwing Jedi down pits, and he had slaves, and he had Leia, and he had you know back in Legends the old Mara Jade was in there. You had there was so much that Jabber did where you thought that guy's a slime ball, literally and figuratively. And then mm-hmm. Boba's just like, I've got the palace. I'm the new Dio whatever it is, Diaries, whatever he calls himself. Um, but he's sort of not done anything to prove it. <clears throat> and then I suppose when you put that back against the flashback that we saw, in particular the one that I'm interested in, is where he sat in, so, you know, the second episode, he earns his crust, he helps the, the Tuscan Raiders overcome this, uh, the, this this train full of what appear to be basically drug runners. Um, and... They're, they're popping off the Tuscan Raiders because they're worried about bandits, blah, 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 blah. They take them down. Boba earns his crust, becomes one of them. But at the end, when he's gifted that, you know, he's gifted that lizard and it goes off and it sends him into the dream sequence and or not the dream sequence, but that kind of, that stupor. In that, in that, that scene, the chief raider says, we keep ourselves to ourselves. Not all Tuscan Raiders are alike, which I thought was a really nice touch, which it, and I wonder if it's going to link into something Obi-Wan related as well, because that is a, it's almost verbatim what is in that John Jackson Miller book um, saying that not all Raiders are the same. Um, mm. You know, yeah. these guys that Boba are with and that were in that book, they're just decent folk trying to earn a crust and trying to, you know, they're just trying to live and survive. They're not, they're not the Raiders that we saw from the Dune Sea in, in A New Hope. Um, but Boba says you don't have to hide. So he sort of got, at that point, five years ago, he's got that mentality of, well, go and take what you want. You can stand up. You can fight. But then, like, where's the meeting in the middle of the leader potentially saying, no, actually, we can do it another way. We, we don't have to fight. And Boba saying, no, you should fight. That then turns Boba into this slipper-wearing guy five years later in Jabba's Palace. Like, that's that journey is quite... Like, there's a gap there, isn't there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe there isn't a conflict within the hierarchy of that particular band of Tuscan Raiders. Maybe this is just how it's planned, and we'll see that later on. Mm. Maybe at some point we'll see those guys again in the in the modern day stuff, not in the flashbacks. And he'll either need their help, or something's happened between them, and like there's been a bit of a ruck. Boba's done the off, escaped because he's not a prisoner anymore, is he? He's basically one of them in the flashbacks at this point. So um, maybe he's, uh, I don't know, something's happened and he's, he's done the off and he's ended up back as looking, you know, looking for his armour and stuff. Or maybe this is an agreement. Maybe this is like, look, you're not a Tuscan raider. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to follow your lead on this. You know, we're happy as we are. So you've earned your stripes, off you go. And then, you know, they're going to meet up later on. But I wouldn't be surprised if, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they turn up in the story mm. for something either as, allies he's like look shit's hitting the fan i need some backup you know and they're like yeah cool cool you know we're family now or there was a disagreement when he left so they come and help take him down one of the two that'd be cool 
Yeah, <clears throat> I like that latter idea more. I think that's more interesting than, oh, we're fighting two huts. You know, mm. we need an army. We've not got one. Oh, Alexis just popped up. Um, yeah, I think it would be better, personally. I mean, I mean, do you know what? It amazes me about this. Have you seen Spider-Man yet? Yes, yeah. <clears throat> All right, there might be some spoilers for Spider-Man moving forward here, right? <laughs> but um, we we do stuff like this, right? So we're like, yeah, it'd be great to do this. It'd be great to do that. It'd be great if they did this, that, and the other. And it was the same with Spidey and it's been the same with Mando and everything. And every single time, nothing that we say comes true because those guys are much more talented than we are. So, you know, like we see this sort of fairly binary, you know, they will turn up because they're bad guys or they will turn up because they're good guys. It probably be something completely different. You know what I mean? Like, Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> something better than what we can do. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. So... What I've just predicted is very binary. It's like this or that. So, yeah, so hopefully those guys are like, nah, got something much better planned. Much, much better planned. So I just feel like we haven't seen the last of them outside no. of flashbacks. No. Don't disagree with that, dude. Do not disagree with that. Um, I also I, feel like Obi. there is going to be a bit of a link here with the Obi-Wan show. Yeah. The Tusken Raiders are definitely going to have more screen time. On this one and on the Obi, I'm, I'm confident of it. Yep. Same, dude. And it makes you wonder around timelines, doesn't it? You know, and it, it, does it even link to Ahsoka with Anakin? If we're seeing Anakin back and we're seeing Vader back, um, my money, and again, this is my simplistic view of things. I'm, you know, again, if Spider-Man taught us anything, it's that we can't predict anything. Um, <clears throat> if, if you look at how it's all shaping up in terms of the, the Disney Plus universe, you know, these are raiders that have gone off and done their own thing because the old ways didn't work. And, you know, we're going to see reference to, well, one of you know, my brother's tribe was wiped out 25 years ago. And we've got no idea why. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's mm. the Anakin slaughtering. And it's, I, I, I would, I would agree that the, the Tuscan Raiders are a very odd choice just to have involved in the Boba Fett series, except for the fact that it's on Tatooine. You know, you could, he could have got involved with anyone at any cantina in any spaceport on Tatooine with all of the characters that we know and love, but they chose the Raiders. So I, I wouldn't disagree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's the only common denominator. It's just on Tatooine. I think there's more to it than that. Because if, when you, if you were to say to somebody who hasn't watched this yet and explain what's going on, like, oh yeah, you know, he was captured by the Raiders and then this happened to try to escape and then he's earned no respect they would, in their head, I think, imagine the raiders that we saw, like you said earlier, in A New Hope. Yeah. But these are different. These are different dudes. They dress differently. They act differently. So who's to say that there's not a bunch of other Tuscan tribes mm. on Tatooine that are all different? You know, they're part of the same, you know, they're part of the same ilk, but they're, you know, they've got their own motives, you know, their own uh, survivability motives and stuff like that so yeah i don't think it's i don't think just because of location it's like oh yeah we'll just use the raiders i think there's more to it and i think that will be explored in the obi-wan show as well maybe more so in obi-wan yeah yeah totally agree dude um so we'll move on to some easter eggs in a second but you know i sort of don't want to do too much of a recap because there are two episodes and it's, it's difficult to get through them all but um 
where do you think think that this fits in terms of like the Mandalorian as a bit of a parting kind of chapter um, to this section of the show? Where do you think this sits in terms of the Mandalorian? And it's, you know, does it feel like it's an interlude to the Mandalorian? Does it feel like it's ready to spur something else on? Does it fit with the bigger picture in your mind or does it stand alone? Like where, where does it fit in that ecosystem for you as a Star Wars fan? And what do you anticipate them doing? Uh, it feels more. It feels more like a, a. Um. My gut is tells me that it's a bit of a, like a sideways step. I wouldn't say this is a, like um. I wouldn't say this is like a relay, where it's like you know we're now going to pass the storytelling onto that and then back to the Mandalorian. It's going to be this one big arc. I think this is, um, like a sidestep out here. And like, this is stuff's happening. And then we're just going to pick up back with the Mandalorian. I don't, it would be silly to say, I think, well, yeah, it'd be silly to say that the Mando wouldn't turn up in this. I think he will do. Defo. But I don't think it's going to be a, right, let's, let's pick up this bag of stuff that we've got because the Mando's here and we'll bring that into season three of the Mandalorian. I just think this is more of a, this is happening over here. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Same dude. I think it's, you know, we left Tatooine with the Mandalorian and uh, he's off doing his own thing. And I think the next season, the Mandalorian will sort of run concurrent to this. And I think you will see a little bit of segue in between the two. I think you'll see a little bit of, um, oh, okay. That event happened in Mandalorian season three, episode four. And we saw it here at episode six of the book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something like that, I would imagine. Um, But again, excursion, isn't it? From the mm. from the Mando, yeah. Is how many episodes are in the Book of Boba Fett? Do we know? Is it no, 10? I don't. Shall we have a look? Six, six, ten. You got Google? He's in it. Book how, of Boba. How many episodes are in the Book of Boba Fett? I'm going to rule with respect. Um, Book of Boba Fett Easter egg hints, hints at the series' real villain. Um, good <laughs> episode guide. Um, <laughs> where are we? How many episodes? This was easy. Well, I know it's not, is it? Um, list of... No, this is not it. Stand by. Um, hang on. Number of episodes. Good. Nice one, Wikipedia. Seven. Two. Seven episodes. Is that how long there's going to... Well, what did you Google? I Googled, funnily enough, how many episodes are in the book of Boba Fett. Duh, screw you. Said, uh, this seven episode series started on December 29th, blah, blah, blah. Seven's <laughs> a weird number. Seven is a weird number. Weird number. That's my OCD gone to shit now. Yeah. It's either six or eight, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm with you on that. Hey, look, that Easter egg thing. I just got a quick glance at it. They reckon Kira from Solo is the bad person, is the, is the main person, the villain. Mm. Could be. Could be. Back in the comics. Yeah. Yep. And this leads us on to our first Easter egg. She is really, I think in the comics, I've not read them, but from what I can tell, she's getting involved with Dr. Afra, who in turn got involved with a big shaggy-haired, angry-looking Wookiee that made an appearance in the book of Boba Fett, episode two. So, you know, some tenuous links there, but these characters certainly <laughs> all interact with each other. Um did you clock this one? Did you, you know, when the Wookiee was was the bodyguard for the two huts, I, I I was geeky enough to clock that I was Santon from uh, the, well, from the Vader comics and from the Afro comics and um, 
basically everywhere, all, all over the most recent Marvel stuff. Did you clock that? I'm sure you did. Yeah, I clocked him not from the Afro comics, but from the the initial Marvel run that they did with him. Mm-hmm. I think he was in three or four episodes of that. He was in the Vader series, wasn't he? The um, Kieran Gillen one, I think. Yes, yeah, he was. Yeah, so he's been in the, he's been in Afro. He's been in the. I think it was like Marvel five, six, and eight, mm. something like that. And then the Vader ones. Yeah, so he's a he's a well known he's a well known character outside of the outside of the films and stuff. And to be honest with you, mate, I think this is one of the the most the characters I'm most looking forward to um to seeing him have a tear up with Boba Fett. It's gonna happen, right? Big time. I know this is gonna happen at some point. But do you think the character design for him was badass? Because it's not too dissimilar to to Chewbacca or any of the mm. other Wookiees that we've seen on Kashyyyk. But I think the way the actor's face has been put in the makeup and the expression and stuff, you wouldn't want to tangle with him. He does look pretty badass. Yeah, it looks more feral. It looks more yeah. like even the fur was bigger and more like less mm-hmm. long and flowing and more feral and, you know, sort of bulky. And uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't want to screw with him, man. And uh, I think even in the comics, you know, I think Boba and, uh, and, and Santon actually got together and worked on a couple of things together, if I remember correctly. And that's a very tenuous memory, but I'm fairly sure they've got a bit of history already. Um, yeah. One went off. One was tasked, I think, with going after Luke. That's it. The other one was tasked with going after somebody else i can't remember and bubba yeah. got luke didn't he because he delivered the news to vader on the death star or on the star that's destroyer it. sorry yeah. um that's yeah okay so that's quite interesting yeah that, that maybe there's a little bit there that we're not seeing that maybe ties to the bigger story because it's or it's just one of those where it's like okay we needed a bad guy villain that needed to look badass we'll give the fans something but also for the general viewer doesn't matter that it's a big badass wookie they'll know it's a wookie they know chewbacca they don't need to know anything else it's like that whole uh the best example we always give of that is the Exegol problem. Like, why fucking create another planet? Just give them something, <laughs> give them Coruscant. You know, yeah. this could be that, <laughs> where they're just like, well, we don't need to give them another character. Let's use one of the old ones. And if my mum doesn't know about it, that's sweet. It's just an anonymous, badass bodyguard. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there's some, if they'll explore any of the backstory with them too, because you certainly wouldn't know it on screen. Boba Fett just doesn't even, they don't look like they recognise each other in any way. This is just a, uh, Oh, you can send as many gladiators as you want. Mm. You know, I'm still king of the king of the hill sort of thing. But the only one thing I would say is that when they start carrying the the twins off and that conversation's done, he does stop and give him a bit of a lingering look before he walks off. So I don't know if that's a, like, don't worry. I know, I know. Just put a pin in this while I'll be back. Or if it's just a case of I want to look badass for three seconds. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point because that's either a, a big narrative thing or just a cool cinematography thing. Yeah, yeah. Either way is cool. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, and it. Uh, yeah, I, I I do like that sort of quiet confidence of Boba in this, though. The fact that he is, you know, he's not faced by two huts and a freaking crazy Wookie. And I know he's not. I know he's got Fennec there, who can you know easily hold her own and probably survive more than Boba, but still. You know, you got a Wookiee there that's going to rip your face off, and he wasn't. But he yeah. was pretty nonplussed about it. Yeah, and I think yeah, because this this guy is pretty badass. He almost killed Luke Skywalker, didn't he? He mm. almost he got him in a he got him in a chokehold, I think, mm. and was about to was about to tear his head off. Uh, Obi Wan, sorry, Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah he's he about to kill Obi Wan. Yeah. Went through the eye, didn't he, with the mm-hmm. lightsaber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he can he can handle himself. This Wookiee guy. So you know it's going to happen. Probably episode seven, not eight. 
they're probably going to have a bit of a tear up. Mm. What do you think to the twins then, dude? Uh, it was all right. Were, uh, felt like that was straight out of the Clone Wars. Yeah, it did, didn't it? It felt a bit like um, the whole Gardula and the, you know, those, mm. all the huts, you know, and then they brought up Nal Hutter and it just, it, it felt like sort of a bit out of the books as well. It, oh, you know, that, but that era of the books where it's like, you know, well, you know the deal, you know, we've got to go to, got to do this thing. We've got another hut that's been a dick or, or whatever. So it, um, yeah, you're right. It did. It felt a bit like that. I thought the timing was a little bit weird. Um, you know, the fact that Bib Fortuna has been running the show, you know, and they've not really given a shit, but you know, <laughs> now that someone else is maybe, you know, they've come along. I just thought that was like, oh, that was weird. If you really stop and think about it, that's weird. And the only way that you can sort of, canon caveat in your head is that well maybe Bib Fortuna was just under the employment of these people and it was just running the show for them um caretaker manager yeah yeah, yeah you know what's what are Neil's lot saying you know but it <laughs> it just felt a bit like <laughs> hang about it's been five years since Jabba bailed you know what I mean still laughing at Neil thing aren't you um <laughs> So that timing felt a bit weird for me, dude, I have to admit. All right there. And laughing fit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh yeah, the timing is um is very suspect. Yeah. And the twins come along very much holding Neil's hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Uh Although it, did she, feel, it did feel <laughs> She did whisper to him, Well, I don't know, mate. Boba does look pretty trim. <laughs> yeah. Against karate. <laughs> Bring on as many warriors as you want. I'll come through that window. <laughs> You'll come through. <laughs> oh, God. Right. 2022. Still rolling with the office, of course. <laughs> we look back in like 10, 15 years' time. Did you guys ever get around to doing that office podcast? Yeah. We just wrapped it up in Star Wars. Yeah, we edited it all out of the Spark Rebellion <laughs> stuff and just popped it into its own show. Uh, but no, the timing was suspect. I agree. A little bit. Yeah. Maybe it was because of... They were happy for Bib Fortuna to run show run the show for a wee bit, just because he'd been a loyal mm. a loyal um, employee of Jabba's for so long. So they were like, you know, he we know he's sort of legit. He's not going to mess anything up or try and take over. You know, he knows his place. Whereas Boba Fett, they're like, hold on, you know, this is more dangerous. We need mm. to we need to act. So let's uh, let's leave now. We'll be there in three days. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, but we'll see what the Easter eggs come up. I mean, there's, there's been piles of them from the species that we've seen throughout the Book of Boba Fett to the Cantina bands, and we've seen a lot of different small Easter eggs throughout. But have you ever thought to yourself, what would have happened had I not left my desert two-sunned planet to become a Jedi? Would I have got married to my childhood crush? Because I know that I bloody have, and I do it all the time. And guess what? Turns out we aren't the only ones that did that, because according to The Last Jedi, novelization thereof, the main man Luke Skywalker did the same. And you remember the cutscene from A New Hope? We've all seen it. The one uh, Biggs Dartlighter turns up, and you, you see earlier on, prior to that, you see him at Toshi Station, and you see the uh, you see the old Star Destroyer battle overhead, chasing down Yavin, uh, well, not the Yavin 4, sorry, Tantive 4, and... All of that stuff has just been given a lot more canonicity because we had two of Luke's old buddies show up in Toshi Station in, remember that um, 
you and I saw that image, didn't we? That recreation of the Toshi Station door in That's that cool. place, yeah. wasn't it? So we saw Boba Fett go off and steal a pile of speeders from the Marauders, um, who were, were they the same species as Hondo, those guys? Whatever. Uh, Crashodian? Uh, no, what are they called? The lizard dudes. Yeah. They're not, uh, not no, not Trandoshan. No, they, were, they weren't Bosques. Oh, they weren't, sorry. No, they were, they, um... I'm sure they were Hondos. But anyway. Prob- probably, yeah. And we get Luke's old mates, the only two humans apart from the bartender, Cammy and Fixer, show up, who were, they were quite little nice surprises, actually. Again, this was one of those things where, like, if my mum sees it, she, it, all they know is that two humans probably shouldn't be in there because they're going to get screwed up. Served as a nice catalyst for Boba to go and show how badass he clearly still is. Get some technology, get some machines. But also, like for you and me and for Danny at work and stuff, it was like, holy crap, look at that. You know, it was all right, wasn't it? Nice little thing. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, Cammy and, and Fixer, there's, um, if, uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to, to <coughs> hear those characters in like a, mm, not can it, well, it's difficult. Like, so I always bang on about the old radio dramas, mm. right? You've heard me say this a billion times, but there's the entire first episode, episode one, is all about Luke at Toshi Station. And all of those characters are all fleshed out. You know who they are. And um, yeah, so Fixer has a has a speeder bike race with Luke in that first episode because now that Biggs has buggered off and he's joined joined the Empire at that point, he's um, uh, Fixer is now like the head honcho. He's like in terms of hierarchy and like their little circle of friends. And he always gives Luke a load of shit and, you know, so he's a bit of a, he doesn't come across this way in the book of Boba Fett, but the, the way that they decided to write that character in the radio drama, he's a bit of a dick. So he's really horrible to Luke all the time and he's really bullshy and stuff like that. Anyway, Luke ends up beating him in the race and he's all sour grapes and then Biggs turns back up. He's like, yep, you know, when the next thing comes through, we're jumping shit from the Empire, mm. we're going to join the Rebellion and blah, blah, blah. It's a really, really good little opening bit. It's not only there to establish Luke's early kind of home life with um, uh, with Aunt Beru and, and stuff like that, but it's more about his social life uh, on Tatooine and around Toshi Station. So for those of us that know some of the more of the story around Fixer and Cammy and stuff, um, it was a very, very cool... And this is Filoni, dude, right? This mm-hmm. is absolutely Filoni, 100%. Got, got to be, got got to be. Um, yeah, and I I always think stuff like this, you know, it was cut from the, the so the same actress that played Cammy, she was cut from the Last Jedi apparently as well, um, in this sort of flashback scene, which I thought was quite interesting, um, because I think the journey of Luke Skywalker is always fascinating in that he just he, he very quickly. I know Aunt Beru and Chloe get wiped out, but he just very suddenly, you know, escapes this planet. You. You never really see any motivations for how how much he disliked that boring life that he had, and how much he really, like you said, through the audio dramas, which I think are still on Apple Podcasts. You know, um, they it really showed how much he needs that support network of people. So when the rebellion comes along and he's got these other friends, you know, he's all in for it. He's, he, of course, he is because that's his character, and that I think for the the guys like you and me and you in particular that have grown up a lot more with with that version of the story it puts the last jedi into a slightly different perspective as well like why would this guy exile himself when this is all he's ever wanted um mm. so it's fascinating these little things like you said dude it has to be a felony thing has to be i'd say so because he's um been under george's wing for what decades now mm. he would have known all the 
all of these little little bits and pieces whenever the conversations come up about doing anything around tattooing within this time frame or around this time frame location and stuff like that all of this stuff would have come up oh you know that Toshi Station was there and Luke did all this stuff and Filoni's like yeah yeah don't worry we've got all that covered yeah so this is absolutely a Filoni thing for me though and uh, you make a good point about Luke as well so in that radio drama um the justification that they give for Luke wanting to be off Tatooine so badly and stuff is that he plays this Imperial Academy recruitment tape while he's fixing up his speeder and it's he's played it so much and he's got it in his head that the only thing that he ever wants to do is to get away from the farm and join the Empire. He doesn't know the Empire's evil at this point. He just thinks it's a really cool, yeah, I'll train to be a pilot and then I'll be an officer and do all that stuff. So, yeah, listener, if you've if you've not listened to it yet, check out the uh, the old NPR radio drama. I'm sure it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or both or whatever. Or you can pick it up from eBay for like, I don't know, 10 quid or something. But it's 100% worth the listen, defo. But anyway, yeah, it was a really cool Easter egg. And I, I really like the fact that um, they didn't go too deep with it. No. Um, and you nailed it, dude. It was just two guys in the in the in in this canteen. And for the mums and stuff out there that don't really dig Star Wars in depth, it's like, oh yeah, it's just two dudes about to get roughed up. But for the rest of us, it was like, yeah. Cheers, Faloni. Yeah, love Buy you that. a pint, mate. Buy you a pint, Dave, as it happens. Have your fill, Oni. And on that note, <laughs> we're going to stick a pin in it. So the Book of Boba Fett is out every single Wednesday over on Disney+. Plus. Other streaming services are available. We've got five episodes left, so we'll see where we go. We're going to review it probably every week like we do with Bad Batch, like we do with Mando. We're going to get to that every single week now. But it's good to be back in the words of Tony Stark. It's good to be back. Happy New Year to you. If you do want to discuss the Book of Boba Fett or even anything Star Wars, hit us up on the Twitter, sparkerebellion.com forward slash Twitter. And until next week, guys, enjoy your week. It's been fun. I'm glad we're back and we'll be back next week with some more of the same. Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah, it is good to be back talking Star Wars as always. Our dear listener, please stay safe and healthy. Make sure you follow the show on your fave podcast app of choice. We'll be back next week to talk more Book of Boba Fett. And until then, stay safe and may the Force be with you always. <laughs>